0: Okay. Is that a problem? Is that a problem? (laughs) problem? It's too late now, isn't it? I can't really change my voice. Sorry, you need to go back and get born again.
1: (laughs) 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 This is Layers, a conversation about building brands with more depth. What makes a strong brand position? Today we're going to dissect brand positioning. Ye who positions? Wins, right? So, let's start with the 101s. What is positioning?
0: MC, good morning. <laughs> morning, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I think the the easy place to start is it's in the name. So, positioning is all about occupying a position. And when we talk about that in branding, we're really talking about the position that you're looking to occupy in, in your audience's mind. So, you know, as we've talked about last week in strategy, you know, branding is, is about you know what the what you want people to think and feel when they think about your brand and so positioning is getting that down on paper and actually outlining you know that patch of grass that you're going to own um so it's about who you are who you serve how you're different why you care and ultimately why someone else should care too mm-hmm. okay cool that's a good
1: start so what 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 makes a good positioning like can you distill Positioning down into even a formula of some sort.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely some facets that we always look at. Um, in terms of it being good, I think it's, it's often just about it being clear, you know, as a first point of call, you know, is it, is it actually articulating well, you know, what you're all about and, and those sorts of things. Definitely authentic is another one. You know, we rattle on about that a lot, authenticity. Um, is it coming from, from a real and true place? And is it unique? I mean, that's a lot of what positioning is about. You know, even just how do you positioning yourself against competitors, or you know, in a in a general market sense, where do you sit? That's different or unique to to everybody else. And you know, in terms of a, a formula itself, like there's four components, I guess that we always look at. Um, and you want to keep it simple, and and you know, that's part of why I guess this framework exists. It's, it's not something that we've invented per se, but it's, it's pretty tried and true. And, you know, it starts firstly with who you're for, you know, what's that audience that you're, you're looking to, to serve, then moves on to what you do. So this isn't really just about a boring lists of services. It's actually, you know, what's the problem that you solve, you know, and, and that should be a large part of why you exist in the first place then moves on to the third thing which is how do you do it you know so what makes you unique in terms of how you're delivering that product or service you know is there anything else particularly stand out about your business and and how you do what you do and the final thing then is the the reasons to believe so why should anyone actually believe those things that you're saying you know what is it that you've got in your arsenal to to back that up and prove that you know you really believe and can deliver on what you're saying so that's that kind of makes up the four things that we set out to define when we define a new brand position. And I know you've got a, I guess a bit of a different take on the same sort of thing. So. Yeah, I mean it's
1: it, it runs a similar kind of line, but it, it's slightly differently. I mean, I, I, the way that I look at it is is almost in a in a very formulaic way, mission mm-hmm. plus differentiated approach. Plus core customer plus deep expertise equals positioning. So that is again mission, differentiated approach, core customer plus deep expertise
0: equals positioning. You know, of maths, have done do uh, the power uh, of ten uh, in uh, there yeah. or something. But yeah, I like uh, it. Yeah, okay. So break it down a bit for me. What's what goes into each one of those steps?
1: Yeah. So so with I guess mission is it c- could come back to your your why. But also when most businesses start or they, they tend to arrive at a point where they've figured out what their, their mission is and the clearer that mission is, the the, the clearer you can articulate that to, to your customer customer base. Differentiated approach, I think the more ways you can be different, um, not for the sake of just... For the sake of being different but I think the more that you can differentiate your approach the, the more likely you are to stand out against your
0: your competitors yeah I mean that's something we've always tried to do with our own brands yeah that we've had over the
1: years yeah, yeah for sure and uh, core cool customer um, and we can talk a bit more about cool customer, but deep deep expertise, I think, is the the other aspect of this too. Is like rather than being super wide, I think especially in today's competitive
0: marketplace, you got to be deep on that expertise base Okay, so let's tease apart that formula a little bit and just give us a bit of an insight into why I think customers need to be at the center of your formula.
1: Yeah, well, I think mission and differentiation is important, mm-hmm. um, and that's a critical part of the formula. But without the core customer piece really being considered, the the whole formula falls apart, the positioning falls apart. So I think what we're looking for with core customers is is super users. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to be too wide. We want to actually tailor the experience and the positioning around that that super user um, because that creates more solid positioning. So that's why I always put core customer really at the the core of
0: that. Yeah. I mean it's definitely a great place to start. You know, it's like I think another way of saying what you're on about there is that like it's great to have a mission that's important to you, but if it's not important to to your customers, then you know it's it's not going to resonate.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. I mean something that we talk about a bit and and maybe we have differing opinions on is is whether whether you should be niched in positioning and but by niched being being kind of deep on something. So, I guess the question is, you know, should we be niched? I mean, if you look at if you look at say for example Amazon, they sell books and servers, they sell Alexa and automated grocery stores. They're they're definitely not niched in any way. Yeah. So, I guess the question is, do we need to be
0: niched or is that just a modern day business fallacy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I think I mean, firstly, you've got to ask, like, what's the benefit of niching in the first place? Mm-hmm. I think it definitely helps in, in a lot of ways if if you can narrow the focus and certainly the, the antidote of being everything for everyone, you know, is, is usually a, a ticket to failure. I mean, even with the Amazon example, I'm sure there's there's undercurrents of why they've ended up in those different business areas and they're still not trying to be everything to everyone. You know, if if you are doing that, then you'll find that you end up with a pretty weak positioning that no one gives a shit about. So, it definitely makes your position clearer and, and allows you to focus on the needs of a, of a smaller group of people. But I guess the thing is that for me, it's it often gets sort of overused or overdone or overemphasized, you know. So, it's seen as something strict that you have to do and the more niche you get, I guess, the better. And I think really for me, it's just about finding a bit more of a balance, you know, um, especially when you're early in your business and you're probably still learning a little bit about who you really serve and how best to solve their problems. Uh, I just think you just don't want to go too niche just because you know it sort of ticks the business textbook box but I know it's something that you're pretty passionate about and the nichier the better so. What do you think about it all? Well, I mean, I look. I mean,
1: I think if you've got if you've got billions of dollars in reserve and and so you have the the, the cash flow and the capital to to support being broader, then then probably niching could be argued as 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 a fallacy. But I I, I guess I would even I guess I would even argue that. Many of those businesses who have very deep cash reserves, who have the ability to be across many different business units, often create really subpar products Mm. as a result just because they just don't have that deep expertise. So I think, you know, like if you take, for example, somebody like Beats, who essentially position themselves in sound, right? Mm. So they, you know, specifically headphones, I mean, they they entered into a pretty crowded space, right? Like did did we really need another headphone brand Mm -hmm. um, at the time when Beats arrived? Probably not. But they managed to make a dent in that space because that's all they did at that time when they launched into the market was just headphones. Had they been headphones and home entertainment and TVs and other hi-fi equipment, it probably wouldn't have worked out as well for them. But because they were specific and they were niched, and, and well resourced that, that helps. Yeah. They were able to really you know gain some market um, share, which is which is I think I think goes towards why why niching in positioning is it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you took let's let's take another local example, like an insurance, for example. Let's let's say you were starting an insurance company today, which God help you, yeah. but. I mean you wouldn't pick a general insur- insurance firm like you wouldn't that would be suicidal like to to go just general insurance I think what you'd have to do is pick a vertical like go after a particular type of insurance maybe build some tech aimed at a very specific you know type of customer to me that's actually a smarter way to position yeah especially when you don't when you don't have investors or you don't have deep
0: pockets yeah, um, positioning becomes even more critical. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to even use your, your Beats example is is a good one in the sense of what I was on about, which is they've niched in terms of their product offering mm-hmm. and they're sort of niched, I'd say, a little bit in their target customer, but they didn't go, I guess, you know, too hyper-specific on on every front, you know, to still be broad enough. Because, I mean, I guess the, the thing for me at the end of the day is the niching part like everything else here has to mean something like is it a niche that not just exists in terms of demographics but a niche that identifies and and cares about you know the way that you're identifying and trying to communicate to them yeah yeah Yeah, i mean and and that's the thing
1: i guess is like you know with 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 niching i think niching is almost like a de-risking strategy but it's often looked at it the other way around it's like oh my god we're only going after one specific super user but what about the re- what about the, all these other customers yeah, that are out there a lot of yeah there's a lot of <laughs> FOMO that goes in and around niching so I, I don't know i just i, I think though it, it's it's probably the opposite it's it's actually de-risking um you know your entry into any particular market or vertical
0: so, that's why I'm still in favour of, of niching. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <That's laughs> really well. yeah. yeah. I mean, look, for me, uh, it's, it's about finding the right problem to solve first, you know. So, we've talked, talked a bit about having the customer at the centre of what you're doing and I sort of see that problem that you're trying to solve is overlapping a lot with that, you know. So, I think a lot of brands, they just start out with a list of services or they've come up with a new product idea that they think is great And you were sort of talking about this before with your super user theory is like, but have they actually really gone out there and understood the market and understood their customer? And what's the job that they they really want solved or done for them, you know, because at the end of the day, that's every service or product is just doing a job for your customer. So... I mean do you see do you see brands
1: that just launch too quickly into a into a market or a vertical where where they haven't
0: really figured out what the the problem is? Oh absolutely yeah because I think too if they that's when you end up with you know a lot of same same kind of businesses or right they're doing something that someone else has already done before or they're just kind of maybe trotting out the same old thing but trying to put you know a glossy veneer on it as opposed to trying to find some new kind of insight or or nugget of truth, you know, that really matters to their customers. And often this is where it's like, it's not immediately an obvious thing, you know, like most of the, I guess the more interesting, you know, and ultimately successful businesses often come out of something that was, wasn't thought of before or the customer probably couldn't articulate that. That's what they wanted. You know, that's a sort of a famous Steve Jobsism as well. You know, it's like don't ask the customer what they want cause they can't tell you and you know, yeah. you don't misinterpret that and say, "Well, don't ask them at all." It's it's more just about understanding them and then trying to find a bit of a unique slant or insight. Yeah, I mean, because that's a, it is a bit of a nuanced territory what you're talking about there, though, right? Because
1: you do you, you do like, yes, if you took that that Steve Jobs maxim of like, okay, the customer doesn't really know what they're going to want in in 12 months' time. That's your job as a business to figure out how to serve them better yeah. in the in the future. But then also at the same time. You want to be able to somehow like ratify that mm-hmm. and and try and figure that figure that piece out, and, and that that can be really nuanced and a bit tricky. Yeah. I mean, it does also. Is it is it a lack of originality or creativity mm-hmm. or just a want to make money that that you know you have brands where they just want to enter into a vertical because so, they think that there's money to be made there rather than actually
0: having like a proper like mission. Yeah, I mean, I think that that often is the case. And particularly if you're talking about a new brand starting out, a lot of people do approach it just, well, I think I'm going to make a bunch of money here, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to something that they, they care about. They think that they've seized onto an opportunity or, but it can go equally go the other way too, where it's just, this is what they've known or this is where they come from. So they're just sort of maybe trying to trot it out again. Uh, and I think they, probably look to other ways and means to differentiate other than actually, you know, finding a different way to solve either the same problem in a new way or find a new problem or a new slant on a problem and yeah. and solve it. But we certainly see that that's, that's where you come up with, I guess, a much more interesting position, you know, because you're solving a unique challenge. Um, you know, a good example is, you know, we've had a client who spun out of an accounting firm and They realized that over the years what their customers really wanted wasn't just someone to do their tax return, but they wanted a trusted advisor, you know, someone that they could talk to through any business challenge, you know. And so, they've actually carved out a unique position and quite a successful business by morphing their role and and sort of solving, you know, what they identified as a unique challenge in a different way. Yeah, that's a good example. Cool. So, once you've found that right problem to solve, then how do you differentiate yeah, well, I mean that's a that's a good question because you
1: know differentiation. I mean, I think the more degrees of differentiation you can build into your business model, the more uh, chance that you've got of succeeding of, of of winning. So, for example, if I was if I was a law firm starting out today, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it in a in a traditional you know go and set up some offices and go and do networking events and and you know do the the typical fee for service model. I'd be thinking about it differently in every aspect so breaking down the business model into how it's done traditionally and then and then thinking about each one of those things and you probably you could probably break apart a law firm into maybe 10 major pieces Mm -hmm. right and then just looking at each of those major major pieces and going well how can we do this different how can we do it better and it's interesting when you do that exercise when you break it down and then you you start to look at each of the different components and how you might do it better that you that you end up even if you only change 3 or 4 of those 10 major components you're going to be differentiated enough that you're going to attract attention so
0: how do you figure out though like which ones to choose and how to be different because you know as you said before like you don't want to be different just for the sake of it you know a different position alone doesn't doesn't help you win, i guess yeah
1: well, i mean i think you've got to start from a place of 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 theory like we think that this might be the right way to do it but then like we were talking about earlier i think we've got to you've got to have the ability to ratify that somehow yeah. so that might just be pulling in you know if you're already in the industry maybe pulling in 10 of your best customers yeah. and and asking a bunch of questions um showing them a prototype uh, you know i think it's it's actually that research piece that we're that we don't often do mm-hmm. as as uh, business owners and founders that because I think sometimes we're actually scared about the answers. Like no, we're scared sure. if, if the answers don't come back in <laughs> our favour, we're like, well, man, I'm back at square one again. Yeah. So um, it's crazy though because, you know, it's it's actually fast and it's cheap way of doing it is, you know, doing some user testing and research. So, all right. So sometimes we talk about, well, we often talk about great positioning mm-hmm. but sometimes positioning doesn't. Goes so well. Yeah. Positioning fails. So, let's talk
0: about where it can go pear-shaped yeah. because yeah. there are some pitfalls. For sure. And I think, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's sort of the just the other side of the coin of a few things that we've already talked about. You know, the number one for me is is when you start out and you don't have a strong why. You know, like basically, you're just doing a business for the sake of it or you do think that there's just a quick way to make money. You know, and if there's nothing, if there's nothing inspiring and passionate about it for you, then that's just going to trickle down, and and not just into your brand positioning, but into your company culture, and and how you sort of see and treat your staff, and how they then in turn treat treat your customers. You know, and I I think that then just folds on then to how your story comes across and you end up not really believing in what you say you know so again if if you've just seen an opportunity and you're trying to capitalize on that you'll come across as not very authentic and customers will see through that pretty quickly you know another one is that you might not have anything that's really unique about your business you know so that process you've talked about there you haven't really broken it down and, and thought about you know where you can be different, how you can deliver those services differently or, you know, even starting from a more original place in terms of what problem you're trying to solve. So, I think it's really just, it's thinking those things through and understanding that, you know, you've got to have some sort of patch of ground that you're trying to own and and why you care about it and then the rest of it will take care of itself. But yeah, is there anything else that you see?
1: Yeah, I mean, just to, I mean to add to that, um, and I think this is the point of positioning is that and why it's important to do it like as early as you possibly can and and if you if you don't understand or don't grasp positioning early on in the piece it can come back to bite you in the backside. because if you have to if you have to shift positions multiple times let's say over the first five years of your your business life if you have to reposition four or five times um or maybe even just two or three times Mm -hmm. each time you do that you tend to you tend to lose some customers. Yeah. You might gain some, but but more often than not, those those core customers who first started with you get a bit confused about about what it is to what your business is about. And and I think that's where it can get really
0: messy. Yeah. So how do you line that up though with the idea of pivoting? I mean, that's pretty fashionable and sexy thing to talk about these days. Yeah, I mean, I mean, pivoting is.
1: Uh, it, look, if things aren't working out. As in, you're just not getting the customers that you're chasing, or you know the business model doesn't work. Then, yeah, should you keep doing the same thing and expect different results? No, that's that would be insane to do that. But, yeah. but I think um, to to pivot um, means that the model's not working well, so you just you need to. I think you need to be very deliberate about a pivot yeah. and choose the right timing. But yeah, I mean, f- for me, you know. Pivoting is is like sort of like that break in emergency
0: situation, <laughs> break in case of emergency. Yeah. Well, um, I think the thing is with pivoting is a good pivot comes out of some new insight or something that you've uncovered through the rest of it. So, it's, it's even less about, oh, shit, everything's not working, so I better do something else. Yeah. It's more, well, I started out with these few things and I thought this part of it was going to be the big part of the business, but no, it's actually this part and you know so let's focus more in that area you know so that's how i see yeah and let's not and let's not
1: also forget that i mean business does change and, and morph over times and we are always making these micro little changes to our businesses as we as we go and bolting something new onto your business can can enhance it as long as
0: the core of your your business model is not completely overhauled i think yeah definitely consistency is is a huge thing you know if, you say if you're changing it all the time, it's going to fall over pretty quick. And yeah, I think that point also goes back to what we were talking about last week with strategy. You know, you you think that the underlying parts of it, the why, you know, you know the the core values and all those sorts of things that you really believe in the mission from your um, formula as well, like those parts should endure and you can sort of move around the, the execution of how you might deliver or, or go after that. But yeah, you definitely want that consistency and that should hopefully shine through. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've looked at the, I guess a few different facets of the formula, but just to recap, you know, it's who you are for, you know, understanding that customer, what are the problems and challenges that they're facing and, and then leading that into what you do and how you can solve um, for that. And thinking about how you deliver that service and that's where that differentiation and unique aspect comes into it. And then ultimately, you know, making it believable and authentic and, and giving customers those reasons to, to buy into your story. So that kind of sums up positioning, but, you know, um, is there any trends or, or things that you're seeing in the market that are changing to do with positioning?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess you, you, do, you do tend to see little trends that occur in, in positioning. I mean, the first one that I, I've noticed, and we can thank Seth Godin for this one, which, um, you know, that, that book Tribes, you know, that he wrote a long time ago. And he obviously writes, you know, a, a lot on Tribes or A Thousand True Fans um, that really hyper-focused positioning mm. niches that you wouldn't even think <laughs> are niches, yeah. you know, like that. But but you only need a thousand people mm. to to like tap into that, and so this and, is why you like niching so much and, and resonate
0: because <laughs> <resume. laughs> Seth yeah. told you too.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's like you know. Because a lot of these things, you, you quite often think, oh, well, those ideas aren't going to scale. Yeah. But, but oftentimes, you know, when you when you really kind of get into, you know, what it is that super user really wants, you find that there are more than actually a 1,000 true fans out there. Yeah. So, but, but I also think in like just being hyper, hyper competitive world that we currently are in at the moment where it's so easy to spin up a business, you do want to be really like laser focused. Yeah, sure. And so, I, I definitely see that as a trend social awareness i think you know f- from a positioning standpoint i think is um is is a is a big one and i think as we sort of move post money what i mean by that is it's not just about the profitability of a company i think we're talking about employee health i think we're talking about general well-being we're talking about impacts to to you know, the society uh, and not just being money making machines. I, I see that as, as a positioning trends um, going forward. So social awareness. And the last one is environmental. I mean, environmental has been around for a while now, but I think that we're having, it's almost like environmental 2.0 now that we're actually realizing that climate change and the impacts to our planet and the way that we do business, we have a responsibility as companies to, to do something about that um, and play our part. So, I think the environmental part of do less, you know, harm, do no harm in your supply chain is definitely going to be a trend and it's going to continue.
0: And are you seeing any great brands or businesses in those those last categories of social responsibility? Um, look, the, the, the one that
1: always comes to mind is, is Patagonia. I used them as, a, as an example last time. But, um, I mean, they're, they're, they've done such a great job in, in both those um, social awareness and
0: environmental um, awareness. Yeah. It's interesting. I was listening to a conversation the other day about ethics in business and how that a lot of brands start out with those things as core tenants um, but why does it fail so often? Uh, and the, I guess the upshot of it was that once a company goes public, it's actually then, you know, the shareholders' interests become primary and, and you know, short-term profits end up winning out over that long-term view. It was interesting they used Patagonia as an example and saying that the reason that they're actually able to stick to it is because the same guy owns 100 percent of right. the shares, <laughs> and he said right. he won't sell a single share because as soon as that happens, he thinks that it'll start to erode into that mission. So, so if you
1: want to, if you want to have a great company
0: with, that's socially aware <laughs> and environmentally aware, don't go on the yeah. ASX. <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, some of the other things they talked about was actually ingraining it into the company charter, you know, before you even you know, went public or, or sold shares, you know. Right. There's, um, there's other things like big corporations where you become certified and, and sort of make it more part of your, your business. And I guess, I mean, what you'd hope there, like as a through line for everything that we've been saying is, if that's part of your wine, your mission from the start, then you know it should endure. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's well. I mean, again, like positioning in public companies and in even in shareholders. Um, when you think about shareholders, it makes a lot of sense yeah. because yeah. you know shareholders are customers at the end of the day too. Yeah. Um, so they could you know very well be,
0: you know, your your customer, but also your shareholder um, for sure. And that's that's what we talked about last week when we talked about audiences, you know, and understanding them as opposed to your customers, you know. Shareholders is a great example of an audience of a brand, um, you know, that you have to sort of factor into to these decisions.
1: Yeah, for sure, yeah. And, I mean, from a, from a trend standpoint, I mean, do you, do you see any that, that
0: are happening at the moment? Yeah, I mean, the one, one that's interesting to me is you're seeing a lot more businesses where the product is the brand and what I mean by that is, like, You know, if you think about more traditional industries like services or or retail or whatever, there's all this um, layers that exist, you know, around the product itself, you know, in terms of either service or environment or, you know, there's a lot more, I guess, touch points that aren't just the service itself. Whereas, you know, when you're seeing things like software as a service businesses, social media, dating apps, whatever, anything that's like a purely digital product. 90% 90% or more, you know, sometimes it's just 100% of your experience with that brand is the product, you know. So, it's just you tapping on it, using it. You're not talking to anyone about it. You know, you're literally just having that experience. And so, that in and of itself, like, creates some interesting challenges, I think, for positioning. Because, you know, how do you communicate a message? How do you have a personality? You know, how do you make sure that that user experience is, is aligning with with your brand? Yeah, I mean, that can can be tough, right? Because when you you are like
1: a purely digital company, so how do you get that human element across? Yeah.
0: So, you know, they're having to position themselves through the product, you know, and how it works. So that's where something like user experience, which isn't something you typically think of as being so aligned to brand, you know, it just comes straight to the fore. But even like onboarding you know how what's the first thing that happens when you use the product and and those sorts of things that will guide them through and and help them understand what your position is as a brand yeah i mean my mind
1: my strategy mind immediately goes to like if i was running a company like that it's like how how do we make this company as human as we possibly can even though we're not going to be interacting
0: from human to human yeah for sure yeah it's definitely something to consider i mean and then is there any way that I guess you can add more human experience to that? You know, how do you move beyond the digital into the physical? I mean, they had um, the big zero conference last week, you know, up our way. And, and I think that's a good example of a digital brand where most people know of zero, the accounting software and their whole experience would literally just be through the interface. But yep. they built this, you know, very exciting and interactive kind of conference event series around their brand, you know, to, to bring it out of the screen and into the real world. Yeah, that's a good that's a good um, one to to bring up because it, it does
1: allow you know I guess customers um, specifically accountants to, to meet with <laughs> to meet with the people behind the platform and know that there are actually real people there. <laughs> what are you saying about accountants? So they can't meet people in the real world. Uh, no, I'm not saying that at all. We love accountants. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, awesome. Well. I mean, look. There's a, actually a lot to unpack a, a around positioning, um, so I think it's been a good chat to, to sort of you know dive into it and, and work our way around it. Um, I mean, it just it just brings to mind for me that positioning is just so vital yeah. in in the way that we shape up brands. It's it really is one of those foundational layers yeah. um, that you know I could I could spend all morning talking about. But yeah, um, sure. yeah I think that's a good place to leave it. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks MC. So cheers, mate. Okay, cheers.